Making it in business isn't about spreadsheets, this or that. It's about guts, tenacity, and above all, street smarts. Join Sarah Shaw as she talks with successful entrepreneurs about all the hard-won lessons they've learned on the mean streets of the business world. If you've ever felt stuck, stifled, or even just scared to get out there and make your mark, you'll learn how even the most successful entrepreneurs overcame failure and found the power to move forward. So forget about learning about business in school, because all you need to make it big is a street smart MBA. And here's your host, Sarah Shaw. Hey there, Sarah Shaw here with another episode of Get a Street Smart MBA. And I'm really looking forward to this chat today. I'm going to be talking to Becca Brown, um, who is a co-founder with Monica Ferguson, who can't be here with us today, of Soulmates. And it's a line of footwear solutions, which you have probably seen on Season 8 of Shark Tank and in other numerous media outlets like the Today Show, O Magazine, Us Weekly, People, Wall Street Journal, Real Simple, and all kinds of other places. And they're um, known for their flagship product, which is a patented heel cap that prevents high heels from sinking into the grass and getting stuck in little cracks and things. And so Soulmates creates products to make you more comfortable in your shoes, which we all need. And from blister prevention to odor elimination to comfort, Soulmates has a solution for every kind of shoe frustration. And they are also sold nationally in CVS, DSW, David's Bridal, and of course on Amazon and their web website, thesoulmates.com. So I am really excited because they also have tons of celebrity customers like Carrie Underwood, Demi Lovato, Oprah, Rachel Platten, Lauren Conrad, Viola Davis, Gail King, and Natalie Morales. So I'm really looking forward to this chat today. Welcome, Becca. I can't wait to talk to you. Thank you, Sarah. It's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you for such a kind introduction. Oh, well, you guys are just rock stars. As <laughs> uh, <laughs> so are you. Can't wait to hear about, yeah, I can't wait to hear about your journey, you know, just because I love, I love success stories and I love hearing, you know, how people muddle through their first mistakes and then come out to be rock stars on the other side. So, you know, I'm sure everybody asks you this, but I need to know, how did you come up with this idea? I'm assuming you're probably at a wedding and your shoe was sinking into the ground, but um, go ahead and tell us because I really want to hear it from you. Yep. Actually, it started at my high school prom. <laughs> um, that was really the first time I was wearing high heels, all dressed up with my friends, and we were literally trying to stand on my parents' lawn to take prom pictures, and we could not stand mm. up straight because our heels were sinking into the grass. And it was so frustrating. I totally ruined my heels. And uh, I just remember that experience, and it really was imprinted on my brain. And every wedding, graduation, outdoor event that I went to in the subsequent years, I was confronted with this same frustration. And of course, you could say, yeah, I could have worn other shoes like wedges or flats. But honestly, like going to a celebration and being dressed up, I personally and a lot of my friends, we wanted to wear our high heels, and we yeah. could not. So um, all of that frustration really led to the creation of our first product, which is, as you said, our patented high heel protector. Um, and so I had this idea, and Monica and I, we actually knew each other from working um, at Goldman Sachs together and ended up at Columbia Business School together, together. And it was in the entrepreneurial finance class that we were taking that I told her about this idea. 
And she, of course, had a flash of all the high heels that she had ruined going to weddings and things. And she said, yeah, like, let's do it. So she wrote a business plan for that class, and we proceeded to really start working on it and try to learn about all of this stuff that we knew nothing about, um, right. inventing, patenting, manufacturing. <laughs> and it was really an exciting and invigorating time because we knew that we weren't the only ones that had had this frustration. We were so excited to bring this product to the market. And did did you guys do this while you were in business school, or did did you do this after business school? We did, yeah. So it quickly took on a life of its own, and we worked on it in business school, and then we both had committed to going back to Goldman after school, which we did, and we worked on it on the side for a couple of years, and then we got to a point where we said, you know what, let's just give this a shot. And we ended up resigning and started the company around the heel cap. Um, and since then, we've expanded to really create a brand that encompasses all things shoe solutions. And as you said so nicely at the beginning of the conversation, mm -hmm. our mission is to make you feel better in your shoes. And so right. that's everything from preventing the heels sinking into the grass to blister prevention, comfort, preventing stinky shoes, weather protection. Mm -hmm everything. And so that's really where we are today, where we've got a full line that addresses common shoe frustrations. I love it. And clearly you guys had no fashion training. No, we did not. And I always <laughs> joke, I mean, I think it was a little bit of a blessing because, and I, I'm sure any entrepreneur that's out there listening can probably relate to this, but sometimes ignorance is bliss because if you knew mm how little you knew about things. It might be a little daunting and intimidating, but when you have such passion for your product, or your business, and you really, really are just so focused on bringing it to market and making it a reality, you're just willing to jump over all of those obstacles and, and learn as you go. Um, and no, we, we both had worked in finance, and you know, that was our background. And I do think that that has helped us a lot, though, because as business partners, you know, we started this company with the same goal in mind. And we've, I think, benefited from having a really like, well-balanced partnership where we both trust each other to do everything in the business. Like we, you know, it's not like one of us is, is super specialized and can only do one thing and the other person kind of has mm. to do everything else. We're, we're very balanced and we, we have the same foundation, which I think has served us well. It's really interesting that you say that because so many people, and I myself was guilty of it when I had my accessory brand um, because I always, I was all, you guys are much more similar in your knowledge base, especially around money probably and projections and cash flow and all, all the really important things that I knew nothing about when I went into uh, business. Um, I was like, oh, this is so fun. I'm going to make bags. Um, and, but that I was always looking, I always looked for business partners or people who I thought could bring something else to the table or who I thought, who I thought, excuse me, were smarter than me. And, yeah. you know, and, and education doesn't necessarily mean smarter about things, yeah. right? It might mean, um, you know, obviously education about specific numbers or being really good at math or understanding charts and things really can help when you have a business. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know how to read all those things now, but, um, but it, it was, I used to fight with my accountant all the time. That's not, you know, no, that's not right. You know, and he's like, <laughs> um, 
let's see, <laughs> who's the numbers yeah. person? And I'd be like, uh, not me, but I know you're wrong. Um, you know, and you don't, you're right, you don't want to hear sometimes um, that you're making those mistakes, right, or that you don't know something. And it's, it sounds interesting, like a great partnership, because you guys are learning the ins and outs of the rest of the business together, right? I mean, you're, it yeah. sounds like you're on this journey, and you're both able to share what you learn with each other. In, in a different That's right. way, possibly. Yeah, and it's not that we don't, we certainly have our designated areas of the business and we focus on that and really just try to be efficient so, you know, we're not duplicating efforts and we've, that's just been a natural thing over time. But I think that the biggest issue that I hear about with a lot of partnerships is like, um, you know, not having that common goal and, and maybe not having like that equal footing um, when it comes to the work that actually needs to be done and the execution. Mm -hmm. And so that's yeah. why I think because we, we, you know, worked at a previous company together and we started this together, I think we've always had that same goal, that same conviction, and there's never been any doubt of, you know, she's working just as hard as I am and vice versa. So it's worked mm -hmm. to our benefit, I think. Um, and it's been fun, you know, like as we've, as we've gone on this journey, like it's been, I think it's been so really awesome to learn about all these other uh, worlds um, because our brand is very much consumer packaged goods and we deal with manufacturing and, um, you know, supply chain and, and then packaging and marketing and PR and all these other things that we probably would have never really touched on or certainly not in this capacity um, just, you know, with our previous jobs. Sure. So it's been fun learning all that. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to hear you say that you're learning it and not just jobbing it all out. <laughs> it's from the well, beginning. Maybe I mean, you job it out yeah. now. But. Well, we, we definitely do. And I think that's actually an important point to make is that like, as an entrepreneur, yes, you do wear all the hats, but I also think it's important to seek out the experts and to recognize mm -hmm. your own limitations because I, yes. I remember this quote, somebody said this years ago, but like, if you're a tennis player and you're right-handed, like, you're not going to do yourself any good trying to get good at being a left-handed tennis player. Like, Focus on what mm. you're good at and, yes. and seek out those experts where you need it and because ultimately your company will benefit by having that expertise. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you agree, um, or I'll just put it this way, my feeling is that it's really important when you're starting a business, and sometimes you're forced into this because of financial situations, but that you really need to learn at least something about every aspect of your business, like the sales or marketing, PR, um, yep. you know, crunching numbers, you know, whatever, production, you know, packaging, all that stuff before you can hire the expert or job yeah. it out or bring somebody in-house because then you don't really know what the job is that you're either I, jobbing out I, or hiring for. I totally agree. I was listening to your Marcus Lemona's podcast, and that's such a great and, and valuable lesson that you know you have to know what the job is before you get help to do it. And yes. um, you, you may not be in, know the ins and outs if it's you know, a coding thing for your website or something. Obviously, you're not right. going to know all of that. But you need – and I, I always call it the Trader Joe model. When you have a small business, you, you have to know what all the jobs are to hire mm -hmm. people and to know whether they're yeah. doing a good job. Yes. I, I, I agree. I mean, I, no matter how many mistakes you make, you know, or successes that you have doing those things, it's so important to know what that job entails. You know, I just hear so many sad stories, you know, of people, well, I can't afford to hire this person or that person because I, someone told me I had to spend $10,000 on my website or something. And you're like, yeah. 
Really? You don't even yeah. haven't sold one thing yet. You don't need a ten thousand dollar <laughs> website. <laughs> right. Um, you know, and well but that's what the expert told me, you know, and it's just I just uh, wanna die for them. Yeah. Um well so let's kind of roll back a little bit. Um, because it sounds like you guys probably have experts on your team or, or people that help you with certain aspects. But in the beginning, um, I imagine you were doing your sales yourself. Yes. To, to get the and, ball rolling. Yep. And, and actually, we still very much are the sales force. Monica and I pretty much do all of our sales efforts um, because that's, in our minds, that's the most important part of our business is the sales mm -hmm. and the customer interaction. Mm -hmm. And whether it's managing our Amazon or dealing with a mass retailer like CVS or dealing with an individual customer like customer service and sales um, orientation is critical to the company. So we, that is the majority of our, of our job. Mm -hmm. what, what, um, were you scared in the beginning to, to call uh, on store buyers? You know, it's, we get that question a lot, and we certainly, I mean, I still do it to this day, just like we'll walk into, if I'm in an area, oh, there's a cute boutique here, I'm just going to walk in and introduce myself. I think that in the, in the beginning days, like, it, it felt a little funny to be, like, going to pitch, you know, shoe repair shops in New York City and bridal shops and things like that, but um, we, again, I bring it back to our passion for the first product, the high heel protector, and we knew that we were solving a problem, so we kind of let that yeah. energy, like, really lead us. Um, and mm -hmm. I mean, I certainly, I, I definitely had doors closed in my face and people hanging up on me and all that stuff. But yeah. <laughs> um, what, what's nice is that I, I always have played sports and um, I played lacrosse in college and there's this concept of ground balls and it's like a way for you to kind of build confidence in yourself. And a ground ball is something that is really all about hustle. You can just chase the ball faster than the person next to you. And once you take possession of the ball, you're in control of the game. And so I like to mm. think about my life and running a business as making sure you know where to get your ground balls. And that means making sure where you can, where you can find confidence because confidence will ultimately lead to your success and your ability to do more. And so when I was getting doors slammed in my face, you know, I was trying to really draw on those positives. Okay, this person was interested. I'm going to hone in on that, and that's going to be a little source of confidence to get me to go to another store and just kind of get the, get the ball rolling. And little mm -hmm. by little, those tiny little micro bursts of confidence, they lead to a solid foundation of this is my business. I am proud of it. I, you know, we're building this. Like, do you want to be part of it? And I, lo I, I love that. I love the way you think about that. Yeah, it's um, and the, you know there are always challenges. That's the thing about riding this roller coaster of being an entrepreneur. It never gets easier. You just get better at it, <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and right. you, you get you get better at handling rejections, and you get better at being nimble and being creative. Like uh, Monica and I, I mean, Monica is amazing. Like we'll have a conversation, and and maybe we're getting sort of a no from somebody, and she'll think of like three other ways to reposition it and try to get the conversation moving again. And it's just it's really important to be able to think that way because it's not always one way um, when right. you're building your business. And, and that's something that whatever stage people are at with their businesses, whether it's day one or, you know, 10 years in, having that thinking outside the box and that creativity to stay on that path of, of growth is so important. So important. I lo I lo thanks for sharing that part about being able to pivot, you know, and come up with new ideas and think out of the box because it's so important. And I think too, you know, do you find that sometimes you stumble upon a store and you think, oh, 
you know, I don't know, let's just say it was a stationery store or something that sold gifts, and maybe you never thought about stationery stores before um, because the one near you doesn't sell gifts or something, <laughs> right? And you're, right, you're on right. vacation and you run into a store and you're like, oh, wow, this could be a whole new, you know, genre of stores yes. that are pitching. Yeah. Totally. And that's um, been something that we've seen too. As we've expanded our product line, we actually make some products for men now, and it's been a really exciting opportunity to start reaching out to a whole new set of stores and, and, and customers now that we have you know, additional products. And so that's another reason why it's so important to not get kind of like too deep into your own trench and to really make mm -hmm. sure that you're, you're keeping that broad perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And so as far as sales go, um, you guys do most of the sales yourself. Do you work with any sales reps or distributors at this point, or do you just keep it all um, in-house? We have most of it in-house. We just started working with a sales rep um, that focuses on the military exchanges, and that's a mm. new area of business that we're super excited about. I just got back from Dallas last week meeting with the Armed Forces Exchanges and our sales reps, and um, they so far they've been great. And the reason that that's important is this is sort of a different type of retailer, um, you know, working with the military. So I mm -hmm. felt that they have a level of expertise that is um, something that we might not have access to. The sales rep, you mean? Yeah, yeah. They really yeah. have deeper, deep relationships with this exchange, and yes. they understand the process of working with the military. And um, so that's why it makes sense for us. So for the rest of our sales, it's pretty much just us. Um, We've been fortunate as we've grown, um, we do get a lot of independent boutiques and stores that come to us and say, oh, you know, I've had customers asking for your products. Like, we want to carry your products. So that's really, really nice. Um, and once, when that starts happening, and same thing goes with press. Like if you get an editor or you know, somebody on social mm -hmm. media that says, oh, I want to try out your product, that is going back to that confidence building. That's really a great feeling. Yeah. So do you guys pursue small stores on your own, or do you just really wait for them to find you? We do pursue them. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of changes in retail, obviously, over the last several years. Uh, and our, for the High Heel Protector, wedding and bridal boutiques has always been a big part of our independent wholesale account business. Mm -hmm. And that's um, an area that we – I'm actually going to the uh, bridal show in a couple weeks um, for that, for the wholesale market. Um, and mm -hmm. then we do, we do actively reach out. Going back to um, some of our new products, we're, we're launching a sport version of our blister blocker as well as um, a sport a deodorizer spray for shoes and, and other you know, bags and gym things and stuff like that. So we are reaching out to like independent sporting goods stores and running stores and, and things like that for those products. So we try to, we try to do it all. <laughs> <laughs> We may not you know, get it all done. But marching we, band. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, we do, and we we try to stay focused. We definitely prioritize. You have to. You know, there's there's yes. so many things to do over the course of the day. But yes, yeah. So so let's talk a little bit about PR. So, so yeah. When did that start playing a role in sales for you? I mean, and also, do you guys again? Do you pursue PR for yourself, or do you just are you, have you just been lucky and had magazines reach out to you? Um, a little bit of all of the above. So initially, uh, we, um, 
actually pretty early on we were fortunate enough that um, we knew somebody that was in PR and, and she and her firm were very kind to work with us because we were so tiny relative to our other clients. And I think working with her we at least got an understanding of what the process is, you know, meeting with editors, mm. pitching, sending samples. Um, and that was good education. We did not work with her for very long, but it was long enough that we at least got sort of a lay of the land. And then we kind of took it upon ourselves to try to do that outreach. And we were very, very lucky that early on one of our first customers was Oprah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And she and Gail King were at a wedding in Bel Air and they used the high heel protector because the wedding planner had bought them for all of the guests and that was the first time that they had ever wow. seen a high heel protector and it was such a, a just a very very lucky and fortunate experience and at the same time though because we were actively reaching out to editors I had dropped off samples to Gail King who was the editor of O magazine at the time in New York mm-hmm. and is a really amazing story. So she and Oprah, they had been at this wedding and Gail was coming back to New York and she was trying to remember the name of the high heel protectors that she had used. She literally walked back into her office and her assistant handed her this big bag of Soulmates materials and samples from me saying, Dear Gail, I'm such a big fan. This is Soulmates. And she was so taken aback by the serendipitous experience that she yes. called me and said, this is the law of attraction at work. I was just trying to think of your company. <laughs> it, it was amazing. It, it was literally amazing. So that was our first big, really, PR hit, being in the magazine. Um, and I was interviewed on Gail's radio show. And that kind of put the, the high heel protector on the map for, for mm-hmm. and sales, certainly for sales. Mm-hmm. Did, were you on the O list? We were not on the O list. It was okay. in the summertime, which was better for yeah. our market. Um, yes. And we, uh, but we then just like threw out that exposure was, was huge and it led to more wholesale accounts carrying us, notoriety. I mean, it's, once you get that Oprah blessing, it really is oh, significant. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I once had, I've had makeup bags a couple times years ago on, on the O list and I mean, it was like 5,000 pieces later. It went on for years. You know, yeah. if those magazines sit around in salons and, you know, forever and people pick them up and, um, yeah. and you're like, wow, another order that says it was referred by Oprah? I know. <laughs> you know yeah. It's amazing. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, she's the gift that keeps on giving. She really uh, is. <laughs> yeah. And Gail. That's I great. love Gail too. And Gail too. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, and so and so was so Oprah obviously kind of being your first celebrity, right? Who yeah. who had it. How how have you have you how have you gotten your other celebrity customers? Was it just they purchased it on their own? Did you send it to them? Um, yeah. Did they get it at it's a wedding? Been, uh, it's, a, it's a little bit of everything. It's been so exciting to see celebrities using it. One thing that's cool, Carrie Underwood actually wears Soulmates on stage while she performs because they give her a little more stability and balance while she's dancing and performing. Oh, and yeah. that came about her stylist, who's this incredibly talented stylist. She found out about us and just started buying them for Carrie. And um, and that's just been a really cool additional, like, you know, obviously great celebrity exposure, but another great feature about the product too. And then... Um, Demi Lovato wore them when she sang the national anthem at City Field a few years ago for the World Series. Also, her stylist is the one that got them for her, and we did not know about it prior to seeing mm-hmm. her on TV wearing them. But, um, right. but then others, like Rachel Platten, also wore them to sing the um, national anthem at the World Series 
the year after. And through a friend of Monica's friend, we were able to get them to her through really a, a miracle um, in, involving an Uber driver and a David's Bridal store in Cleveland. <laughs> Whatever it takes, girl. <laughs> you do it. I was literally, we were yeah, exactly. like, a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend. Yeah. Whatever it takes. That's what you have to yeah. do. And that, and it was, yeah. she was so kind and she loved them and she wore them and it was great. So, but then the other celebrities, um, yeah, Lauren Conrad used them at her wedding and her, her wedding planner. She was so nice to work with her wedding planner who reached out to us. And so we knew that was happening. Um, but it's really a mix. And because I keep mentioning like wedding planners, event planners, we do mm -hmm. work with a lot yeah. of events planners and that's always been a nice um, part of our business too because these are honestly these are like the nicest people and they know how to party <laughs> right of course they just know how to put on a great event and we're so mm -hmm. happy that when we work with them because they're you know they're planning these like wonderful celebrations and we are so thrilled to play a tiny part of that yeah have you have you worked with um, with the party goddess yet um, you know a little bit, yeah. A little bit we have. Okay, yeah, she's incredible. I was going to introduce you if you didn't know her. <laughs> Thank you, yeah. I've known she's, her for a long time. Yeah, she's great. And um, really, every, they all are. And it's such, a, yeah. it's such a great thing. Whether we're working with a planner or even if we're working with you know, an individual who's planning his or her wedding, like it's so mm -hmm. nice when we're dealing with them because, again, these are mm -hmm. like generally fun times that they're planning. Yeah, yeah. And so do you use, are you guys good at using your celebrity placements to get more online sales or get into more stores? Are, do you guys, um, do you expose all that and exploit those names or are you more secretive about it? Oh, I mean, you, you tell me. I don't know. We, we try to be, we try to market it, um, you know, where, where it makes sense and we're excited about it um, when it happens. But we we don't have any spokespeople. You know, we don't have any like formal partnerships with any of these celebrities. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I mean, we try to market it. We include some of these things on our marketing materials and our website, of course. And um, but we're yeah. If I, I'm curious to know what other companies do. If they, you know, if there are other things that we could be doing more of, because um, it's without having like a formal you know sponsorship. I don't know. I don't know uh, what else people would want to see necessarily. So it doesn't really answer well, your question, I mean, but let, you well, let me know. Yeah, I, I meant like, you know, like do you, do you guys send out emails to your online shoppers, for example, and say, you know, um, you know Carrie Underwood or, you know, use, yeah. use these when she was singing or, you know. And yeah, do you see oh, yeah. a spike we, in sales when you do those yeah, kinds of emails? Do. Yeah. We do, Great. and we also we do try to get press around it. So, like whether yeah, yeah whether it's Carrie Underwood or at the World Series or um, somebody that you know has, with our permission, um, we're allowed to say that they use them at their wedding, and then we will reach out to press as well. But yeah, it's um, that's another really important principle. I, I tell other entrepreneurs this all the time: you have to be ready to pounce because yes. you never know when that big opportunity is going to come, and um, literally, like when. Carrie first wore them. It was at the uh, uh, ACA Awards a couple years ago, and I was. It was a Sunday night, and I was just watching something else. And my friend texted me and said, "Turn on the ACAs. Carrie Underwood's wearing soulmates on the stage." <laughs> and I turned it on. I saw it. I texted Monica, and like within an hour, we had an email going out to you know our list of editors that we had. So you've got to be ready to go. 
Right. That within yeah. that these days, like within, you know, five minutes or ten minutes, however long it takes you to draft the email, you can push up a button and you can get it to yep. all your different lists, you know. Not not it like is. back when I started my handbag company and nobody was on email and we uh. would have to call people <laughs> or send them something through snail mail and I mean, but it worked, you know. I mean yeah. every every time we had a celebrity, you know, or made stuff for movies or whatever we always got a yeah. ton of press about it or big orders from stores. Um, yeah. And that, you know, so. I'll say one thing, one last comment too about the high yield protector and maybe why to go back to your first question is like, do we really market it? So one thing that's always been important is we designed the heel protector to be very discreet looking. We did not want to make right. the high heel look ugly. So it's actually yes. always been a little bit of like a, a challenge to, 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 show, to market it in that way because we, we are, a lot of times we are the only ones that notice it because it is mm. thankfully pretty discreet. So yes. it's always that balance where it's not like, you know, your designer and somebody's wearing your dress or somebody's using your bag, like where it's obvious. Right. It's like, hey, this is like a little secret. It's almost like the Spanx thing. Um, yes. It, you know what <laughs> I mean? It's like, it's like <laughs> no, no, you don't, you don't, you want to, yeah. yeah, you want to be a little more discreet about it. So, right. Um, but Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like when I when I patented my closet organizer for handbags. You know, I was like, "How am I going to promote this because it's in everyone's closet? Nobody's right. out, you know, walking around using it." Um, but right. you still managed to come up with tons of ideas. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> uh, and then you know, the media just becomes so important because they need to yeah. point it out for you. Um, right. So let's let's talk a little bit about um, about you guys being on Shark Tank and how that um, helped propel your business and what happened there. Yeah, Shark Tank was amazing. Um, we aired uh, about two years ago, and mm -hmm. it was such an incredible experience. A great exposure, obviously. Um, you know, we had both watched the show for years, and it was really cool to finally be there and. Um, it was a really exciting and kind of surreal experience, though, because it was the first time either one of us had, any, had done any reality TV. Um, mm. And so, you know, tons of preparation goes into it, and, and you sign this huge contract that says you can't talk about it. And it's a, it's a really weird experience because you're super excited about it, but you can't really talk about it to anybody. Mm -hmm. um, right. And you also, when you, when you tape the show, like the pitches themselves are pretty long. Like we were on the set for an hour and a half, and then it, it is, is edited down to like an eight-minute segment. So, and mm -hmm. you have no idea. We knew the outcome of our pitch, but you have no idea what the segment's going to look like until you actually watch it like live with you know the rest right. of the world on TV. Editing, so, editing magic. Editing magic. So when we first watched it, you know, we were we had a, a viewing party in New York, and we had all of our friends and family there. We're watching it, and we're just. We're, we're sort of like holding our breath because we don't know if they're, how they're going to portray us. But thankfully, they were, mm -hmm. they were very kind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was a great experience. I would say, um, so we, we got two offers on the show, and we accepted one of them. We ended up not doing the deal in real life, which is actually pretty common. Something like three-quarters of the deals they show on TV don't actually happen right. for various reasons. But mm -hmm. or, they change, or they change the deals yeah. at at the, right. on the back end, yeah. It's totally possible. Um, but I will say one of the nicest, in addition to the great exposure and, and the re-airings um, that still happen, we also one of the nicest parts of being on the show was we are part of this 
alumni Shark Tank group now, which is a, a private group on Facebook, and it is the best resource for all of our all of these entrepreneurs, all of our companies. Um, you know, we're all pretty much product-based companies and brands, so we have similar right. issues, whether it's like packaging, fulfillment, marketing, sales, and we have this great feel, uh, a great network now that we can, you know, pose questions to one another and support each other. We've done trade shows with some of them. We've done speaking engagements. It's just really been such a nice byproduct of the experience. It's so great to hear. I know so many people who've been on Shark Tank and not one person has ever mentioned that. Oh, maybe Facebook they're not group. in the group. Yeah, maybe I, they're not. I wonder. <laughs> I, mean, I just I had mean, a client who was on last month, and I've talked to her since because she got a deal with Lori, and she never mentioned the Facebook group either. You know, it's um, it's very, very uh, like you have to be invited into the group, and when somebody's invited, they're announced, and it's you know, it's a very, very like well vetted group, and it's done on purpose mm. because obviously a lot is shared there, and it's um, mm -hmm. meant to be you know what's what says what's said in the group stays in the group type of mentality. Exactly. Right. That's great. Um, but that's that's but wonderful. that's actually. A good point. So the, uh, another thing that I think is really, really important for entrepreneurs is obviously not everyone's going to have access to the Shark Tank group, but I think it's so important to build a little network of other entrepreneurs or other people that have been there, done that, to be able to go to. Because the reality is, like, you don't. A lot of times, you don't even know what you don't know, and you're going to, you know, come across situations and dilemmas where you need a little guidance, you need feedback, and so having a group, whether it's through social media or maybe through a local chamber of commerce or just a group that you've created organically by you know, mm -hmm. doing trade shows or interacting with others, I think it's so, so important because the road of an entrepreneur can be very lonely at times and you feel like you're yes. in this bubble and you're isolated and um, I think we all need that, that type of support, especially when we're growing our businesses. I think that's excellent advice, and it was always something for me that was very that didn't exist when I first became an entrepreneur. Which, of course, yeah. I never thought I'd become an entrepreneur. <laughs> um, it was like so I'm fourth generation entrepreneur, so you'd think it would be in my, you know, that I would have been like, oh yeah, that's I'll be in business for myself. But I never <laughs> thought about it until I got hit by the bug. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so so let's. Let's talk about social media and how you know how that plays a role in your business. Do you do you guys rely on that a lot? Are you really yeah. into it? Is it not really do much? It, it does. I mean, each platform's a little different. I'll tell you a funny story about Pinterest. So, as I mentioned, for the high heel protector, weddings and and parties have always been a big part of mm. our business. And it's so interesting because we first learned about Pinterest because we saw all this traffic coming to our website from Pinterest, and we literally couldn't even pronounce it at first. We're like, what is this, Pinterest or something? I mean, yeah. And this was, this was like in the you know, early days of Pinterest. And it was incredible though because people were planning weddings and parties and they would pin mm. images of soulmates and say, you know, to all the, whoever was following them, like you need to buy these or I'm going to provide these for the wedding. And so that was um, really awesome. And Pinterest to this day is a huge feeder for us and for awareness and, and for actual sales. And then um, I would say Instagram and Facebook are really big for us too, mostly for the awareness. You know, each it's so interesting how we evolve with all these media platforms because initially I think like we even we we talked with some social media agencies and they kind of took like a shotgun approach to all these platforms and like just be consistent with your message and just post it on everything. But it's really not that way. And and each brand kind of has to decide like how you're going to leverage these platforms and like what kind of content is appropriate for each of these platforms. And so. Um, 
we we try to you know really be be fresh and creative with our content. Monica really spearheads most of that, and I think does a great great job. Um, we do work with some influencers, and uh, we do have a we do have a person that helps us with de developing some of the uh, marketing campaigns and things like that. But it's um you know it's another aspect of any business now. Like you 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 need to be on this. You need to take it seriously. You need to interact with your customers and. Um, it's definitely a legitimate part of any business now. Mm -hmm. And so do you guys rely a lot on Facebook ads? Is that what you get help with? Um, we do, yeah. Like, and we're, we're playing around with um, different ways to do our ads now, different content, different demographics, and, and that is really such an art. And uh, as you, you probably know, it's a little bit of trial and error and measuring your, your mm. strategies and then doubling down on things that are working and then trying something else. And for us, it's so interesting because we do have this broad product offering where this time of year, our, our weather protector, which is a, an all-natural spray that protects leather, suede, and fabric, so you know, mm -hmm. bad weather, whatever, like you need to protect your shoes. So this product is, is, is doing so well this time of year, but come June or July, we probably are not going to be pushing an ad for a leather prote protector, you know. It's, right. So for, we have to be mindful of the season um, and, and also then target our customers. Another instance is like our geographic breakdown. We've always had, um, you know, a lot of, uh, of sales in Southern California for our high heel protector because it's pretty mm -hmm. much nice weather all year round and they're outdoor events. Pretty much. And so, yeah, so it doesn't make sense for us to be like marketing to people in Minnesota for the heel cap now, whereas you know Southern California all year round we can be doing that. Yes, yes. So it's really making sure that you're if you do do ads that they're extremely well targeted to yeah. where people could be where using different specific products. Yeah, and make it relevant. You know, I always go back to like, how do I feel as a consumer when I get, we're all bombarded with stuff, and it's what do I pay attention to? And, mm -hmm. you know, it's like that, I feel like now with all of our various like retargeting and everything technologies, like it's a little creepy. You see some, you were just thinking about something, and all of a sudden you see an ad for it. But yes. <laughs> it is, it, you know, it is meant to make our lives easier. So we're, yes. we're always striving to, you know, go target people that, where these products make sense. Right, exactly. And so I saw on your um, Facebook page earlier that you guys did an interview at Business Rockstars and oh, that yeah. you're talking about your secrets to getting into 10,000 retail locations. <laughs> Is that what we said? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it says you're in black and white. We did, yeah, we did a great, we, Jean, Jeannie Ehrman was so nice. We did it at uh, the NASDAQ headquarters. It was great. But yeah, I mean, I, um, are you asking what our secret is, what we revealed? Well, yeah, like what did you reveal? But also like out of those 10,000 retail locations, how many do you think are like smaller stores versus, you know, like if you're in CVS, that's, you know, yeah. whatever, three or 4,000 locations. So yeah. You know, so if you're in big retailers, that 10,000 locations comes quickly, right? right. Even right. though you're only writing three or four POs, <laughs> right? Right, it's, it's right. Not, you know, the numbers add up fast. That's right. And so, yeah, for us, yeah, CVS is by far our largest retailer. Um, our products are also carried in DSW in North America, mm -hmm. which includes their Canadian affiliate, formerly known as Town Shoes. Um, and that's mm -hmm. a pretty big retailer, and we, we, are, we love working with them. They've been a great partner. Um, and then we're also in David's Bridal, Von Mar Department Stores, Le Chateau, which is a, a chain in Canada as well. 
um, we're in Capizio, the dance stores all throughout mm, the country, mm-hmm. um, because we make an antibacterial spray that's great for dancer shoes, as well as our blister blocker. Um, and that's been a really exciting new channel of business for us in the dance, dance kind of accessory area. Yeah. And, and then um, we're also in a bunch of independents. So the cobblers, the wedding boutiques, the sporting goods stores. Um, and so we really are, um, are always looking to, to add to the distribution because our products are, are you know, pretty inexpensive. They retail between $10 and $20. So they mm-hmm. kind of lend themselves to being accessible to people. And while Amazon right. is a big part of our business, if somebody is, you know, at an event and, you know, they want to just go to, like, the local CVS or David's Bridal or DSW to pick up some, some products, like, we want to make sure that they can do that. So that's our mm-hmm. thinking behind having these um, various distribution points. And, right. and as I said, we're always looking to add to that. Yeah, I just think, I, I think it's so smart to have, to be diversified as well. Um, yeah. You know, because you want to make sure if one of the big, the big guys all of a sudden decides it's not selling as well for some reason or something goes, oh, yeah. you know, um, that, your other, that your other stores are, are there for you, you know, when one's up, the right. other's down or something like that. Right. Um, so let's, what's, uh, so one, one thing I wanted to ask you, um, what do you think your biggest mistake was that you've made in the beginning and how did you muddle through it? Uh, that's, I feel like we could talk all day about mistakes. <laughs> um, Which one of my big mistakes? Yeah, I, I think there, there are a lot. Though we've learned a lot. But I think that um, really – like we have a full brand offering now and I think mm-hmm. I wouldn't it may not be a mistake but I think because we got so much awareness for the heel protector like we we're so so lucky to get all the exposure and you know be on Shark Tank for that but I think one of the challenges we have now is educating the marketplace that we have so much more than just the heel protector because mm. we sort of can get pigeonholed it's kind of like an actor doing you know an amazing movie for a very specific part and then it's sort of breaking away from that that model, right? Um, and I think yeah, that they can't get hired are, for anything else. Yeah, because yeah, it's like they, yeah, but you're known for this. Oh, but I make this mm-hmm. stuff, and that's um, mm-hmm. and we're seeing that a little bit. Like I touched on, we have some products for men now. We have all natural right. shoe care products for men, which is really important. All of our products are natural, which is something that shoe care traditionally does is really not focused on. Um, and so, but having products for men, like this is. Um, this is this is a marketing opportunity, but it's also a challenge because we're known for these very female-oriented products, and here we're pivoting into mm-hmm. this new demo. So um, it's not really, yeah, I, it's not a, it's not like a, a, we've made a mistake about it. It's more just it's a challenge for us, and to maybe mm-hmm. I guess the lesson would be to kind of be aware of um, the brand equity that you're building, and if you do plan to kind of broaden things, like just you need to have a strategy to do that. And it's, I'm thankful to say that it's working for us, but it's just something that um, as we do grow, you know, we have to be more mindful because we don't want to marginalize people. Right, right. Well, at least it gives you a great opportunity to go after some male celebrities and men's yeah. magazines to get a whole different right. channel of exposure. That's right, um, exactly. That's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Absolutely. so I wanted to just ask you one last question. And so what do you think was your, like, the big, you know, aha moment with your biggest success that you really knew 
You know, like what, what was it that made you guys say, you know, hey, I'm going to quit my job now because we can see this has legs. Like for me, when I was started my handbag company, I was still working in the film business, but I got a big order for 800 bags from anthropology, and I was like, I'm out of wow. here, I quit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that for me was my aha moment. And, and so, you know, I was like, well, clearly it's just more than me and my friends that like it, you know, at this right. point. And I feel like I'm going to give this a chance. If not, I'll go back to my job, right? Um, right, right. Which wasn't really an option for me. But, you know, in the back of your mind, you're like, well, I could go back to my job. So right. what, do, what do you think um, was your first big success moment that led you both to say, hey, we're in it to win it now? Yeah. Um, you know, I think that we had, we, we had so much passion when we first quit. I'd love to say that, we had orders lined up before we quit our jobs, but that's not the case. We, we quit and we still had a lot of work that had to be done before we were, you know, in a position to be selling products. But, but that's okay. I mean, we, we did it. And um, mm-hmm. we had so much energy and passion and enthusiasm that we, we did it. But um, I think that I remember seeing a random stranger on 57th Street in Manhattan wearing the high heel protector mm-hmm. one night. Mm-hmm. And I was like flipping out and she was on the phone. <laughs> Otherwise I would have like probably harassed her. <laughs> um, <laughs> I would have said, Oh my God, you're wearing my product. But I remember feeling so excited about that. And, and, and that also like early on, yeah, uh, it was mostly friends and family buying products. But when we started to see other people and we had yeah. independent wholesale accounts reach out to us and say, Hey, I saw you. I, saw, I know about you guys. I want to carry your product. I mean, that's really when it started to feel great and, okay, mm. we're, you know, we're on the right track here. Um, and then I, I just, I still, I get so excited about these things, like seeing somebody like a celebrity wearing the product or even just having, engaging with a customer. Um, I just think that that's so important to still have that passion for your products. And, um, you know, Sarah Blakely is somebody that I've always really looked up to, the founder of Spanx. Mm. I think she's incredible mm-hmm. what she's built, and she's just such, like, a nice person based on her Instagram. <laughs> um, yeah. But I think, like, there's something to that. Like, you, as an entrepreneur, like, you always have to be in touch with your products and your customers because ultimately yeah. that's all that matters. And yep. so that's the most fun for us. And however big we get, like that's still, that's like the bread and butter of the business. And I, mm-hmm. I hope that we always feel that way. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Do you, do you regret not waiting to say something to that woman, the first woman you saw on the street? Uh, <laughs> I mean, in retrospect, I, I was thinking about it. I've thought about it a lot, but she, she may have thought I was, you know, a little bit like creepy, but um, yeah. I, I, just, I just made a judgment call. You know, New York City, like, everyone's kind of in their little bubble, and I just was like, you know, she's on the phone. I don't want to, like, interrupt her and, and give mm-hmm. her this whole spiel. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I don't want to stalk her, right, follow her down right. the street. I, um, I had a similar uh, experience when I first got my bags into anthropology. I was in New York for a trade show, and I was at Serendipity having lunch, yeah. I think the, is it 65th Street or something? Yep. And I was going to the bathroom, and I'm waiting, and this woman comes out wearing one of my bags. And I've oh never seen one on somebody in New York. I mean, in L.A., I saw, you know, people, I would run into people with them all the time because I yeah. did so many sample sales and kind of did my grassroots sales that way. But I, and I was like, oh, 
I love your bag. That's all I said to her. And she was oh. like, oh, I got it at Anthropology down in Soho, but they're almost out, so if you want one, you better hurry. <laughs> oh, my God, that's so okay. good. <laughs> and I didn't tell her I was the designer. I think I must have, you know, probably was blushing at that point. And, um, and I, but I just walked back to the table afterwards, and I was like, I just had my first sighting in New York. It was oh, so exciting. That um, is so exciting. Well done. Yeah. That's handled very yeah. well. <laughs> we <laughs> have had those Monica, moments. Those moments are so, you remember them forever. We have been walking yeah. down the street in Manhattan, and we've had people come up to us and say, hey, where can I get those New York City high heel protectors? <laughs> yeah. And, and when, when that's happened, like sometimes we say, oh, you can get them at a DSW or wherever. Or sometimes we yeah. say, oh, that's so good. It's our company. It depends on the mood we're in, I guess. But <laughs> Right. Yeah. Do you, do you ever keep um, them in your, in your handbag always, to just like hand always. out when you feel like it? I always have them with me because, you know, yeah. it's happened. We've, I've met people on planes that we end up doing business with. I've met people like in passing. You, you literally never know. And that's another yes. principle that I really try to tell any, any other entrepreneur is that you've got to be prepared because you never know. Like have your little pitch right. down. Have your, have your talking points down. Have some samples if you can. Have a business card, whatever. I, and we're all on social, so it's easy to exchange stuff now. But it's just yeah. um, those opportunities. Um, there's like this great quote I'm going to butcher it, but it's kind of like there is no such thing as luck. It's like opportunities open and you, you're prepared to seize mm. them or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's, a, that's great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think luck sometimes plays a part in people's businesses and lives, but only if you know what to make of it. You know, yeah, I think luck right. hits people on the head sometimes and they don't recognize it. Or don't right. know what, or aren't prepared to do something with it. Oh well, you know. Right. It's like you don't have the twenty thousand for that order that just dropped out of the sky. Well, if you really, right. you know, you can go find it. You know, someone's yes. going to give you the money. Right. Um, right. Right. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Well, um, thank you so much, um, Becca and uh, Monica. Have wanted. I'm going to remind you that if you go to their website and you sign up on their mailing list, you get a twenty percent discount for first time customers. So all of you listening can go check out their products and get your shoe protector for your next uh, grass wedding that you're going to um, yeah. or event on a, on a lawn and protect your special shoes. And I really enjoyed talking to you, and I can't wait to catch up with you another time and see where you guys are. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Sarah. This was such a pleasure. And, yeah, we look forward to being in touch. Yeah, we will catch up with you another time. Thank you so much Great. for listening and catch the next episode of Get a Street Smart MBA. Thanks for tuning in to A Street Smart MBA with Sarah Shaw. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes to get the latest episodes anytime, anywhere. And we'll see you on the next one.